today on Growth Mindset University. I bet when you started your first podcast, you did the first episode, you're probably like, that wasn't so bad. It's only now that you listen yes. back and you're like, oh my God, please delete that from the internet. That's embarrassing. Ab- absolutely. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. My neighbors upstairs who are self-quarantining are like training for the Olympics or something. Okay. They're usually they're like going <laughs> like absolutely YOLO ham up there. I don't know what they're doing. They're like 80 years old. They're usually like quiet as a mouse, but today for some reason they're jumping around. So if you hear that, you okay. can let me know. Roger that. It's not a big deal. All people right. like people like the errors in there a lot of times well, too. In that case, like they're gonna love this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, my guest today, he's the man, Brian Dean. Brian's been called an SEO genius by Entrepreneur.com, a brilliant entrepreneur by Inc. Magazine. His award-winning blog, Backlinko.com, back the word back and then link and then o. Backlinko.com is listed as a Top blog to follow by Forbes in 2017. Success Magazine has referred to Brian as the world's most foremost expert on search engine optimization due to the intelligence of his blog, which reaches over 2.5 million people every year. Again, backlinko.com. Brian Dean, I appreciate you joining me today. Funny how we got connected as we were just talking about. And uh, thanks for joining me. Sure. Thanks for having me, Jordan. So I really would like to not even talk about SEO at first. We'll get there, but how did you come to pick this as your topic? And what were you doing before then? Well, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it kind of picked me. Um, (laughs) In the sense that I never was really interested in anything technical growing up. Uh, I knew nothing about coding or search engines or marketing or websites. And actually before this whole, you know, internet marketing thing, I was a dietitian. I studied nutrition in college. I got my master's in nutrition. Uh, I started a PhD program and, you know, like most people in the space, the idea of like creating a website and a market never crossed my mind once. And what happened was after the, during the last recession in 2008, I left my PhD program to get a job and I was like, Oh, there aren't any jobs. It's hiring for right. everywhere. So I ended up in my parents' basement for a while and I was like, man, this sucks. Let me figure out something to do to get out of here. And I ended up finding the four hour work week, which I can see is behind you on your shelf. Yes. And for the first time I was like, what? Be an entrepreneur, start a business. Like, these are crazy concepts, but he made it seem so accessible that like anyone could do it. So I got started with that. And from there, just from having websites, the first thing you learn is like, I need to get traffic to it. And SEO was the thing that came up, especially for me, because I didn't have a marketing budget or a pay-per-click budget or anything. That was the channel that appealed to me the most. Mm. So I, I have a relatively like similar story. I, you know, I became a personal trainer back in and I started, you know, learn, training for it end of 2016, like for the exam, the NASM uh, CPT exam. And then 
2017 is when I, you know, I got it and I create and I was like, oh, I need to create a website. And it was jordanparishealth.com. And I, that is how I want people to know this is how I stumbled upon you years ago. I've been following Brian for years, guys. And I stumbled upon you learning all, like, I just, I think what happened first was like a couple of YouTube videos that, that I had come across. I don't remember which ones, but, it, but I was like, I was just learning stuff from you. And now it's served me well. My domain authority is, uh, I know yours is at 64, but mine's at 29, man. And it's been, it's been at 31. Like I, and I think for someone like me, that's, I think that's, what do you think? Really I think that's good, man. I mean, this is all I do all day long. So it's not a fair comparison. It's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like comparing a bodybuilder and being like, Oh, he's jacked. I'm scrawny. It's like, no, that's his life. So, uh, it's more like if this is part of your whole marketing plan, SEO is part of it. Obviously a podcast is a big part of it. That's a domain authority that can get you far. Mm-hmm. And domain authority, I have trouble defining it for people. I know it's something that, you know, when we've interviewed Rand Fishkin before here on the podcast, episode 140 something, but that's something from Moz, his company. Uh, and what would you define domain? I, I define it as like, your propensity to be found in search in, in, in Google. Like the higher that number is, the more likely you're going to be found. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, there, there's a difference between domain authority, the Moz metric, and domain authority, the thing. And they were the first uh-huh. to kind of brand it, but now it's uh-huh. become like Kleenex or Tupperware or something. It's like a term that people throw around, even though they're not necessarily referring to like the proprietary technology at Moz. In fact, I'd say most of the time they aren't. So, you know, the, the one at Moz is definitely more of the, the propensity to rank because that's actually how it works. It tries to reverse engineer what's ranking and figure out using machine learning what, what helps certain sites rank. And it's almost 100% based on the links that are pointing to the site. But that's only one part of actual domain authority in Google's eyes. It's also like, you know, your site's reputation. If you get mentioned on major news websites and things like that, that have nothing to do with links. So I would say domain authority, the way I see it is more like your interpretation, where it's how likely is a page on that site going to rank. And the higher that number is, even if it's just like a made up number that doesn't have an actual metric, the better chance you have of ranking. For sure. I Since we're starting to get into SEO, which is good, which is what I want to talk about a lot today. But before we like go further there, Backlinko, how did you come up with that? <laughs> like, obviously, backlinks are a thing. But would you, like, how are you playing with that? I'm trying to think. I mean, honestly, it was inspired by Politico, the politics website. Oh. And because I, I was throwing around names, and thank God my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, has better sense than me. If she's listening to this, she'll really appreciate hearing that. And she, I had a bunch of ideas. I was, go- I was like this close to choosing pizza SEO as a site, no joke, which would have been horrible. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was like backlink. I kind of wanted to play with that. And, I, and Politico is a huge site in the politics space. And I was like, well, I'll just add the O to the end. And there you go. By the way, why don't you post more to YouTube? You have, like, have 298,000 subscribers there, man. Well, the reason is, dude, it takes a lot of effort to create videos like that. You know, if I was just click on the camera, 
spitball for 10 minutes, post it up, you know, it's easy to post every day. But sure. I would say each video takes about between I have to I write the script, go to the studio, get it edited, add graphics. It's probably like 35 hours of work per video. Yeah. All said and done. And that's one of the reasons that the channel has so many subscribers is that the quality of the videos are really high. So when I started, I went with really a quality over quantity approach on YouTube. And, and proof of that concept for the people listening is he has 32 videos, but 298,000 subscribers. Like those two num- like going together, that's, that's like a, almost an anomaly, I think, on, on YouTube. That's like kind of rare. But your preferred form, or at least the way you started, as I understand it, was blogging, writing, right? Yep. What was some of your content, your written content like at first? Was it really bad and you scaled up? I mean, I mean, that's the way this podcast was. It was really bad and then it scaled up from there. But we, you know, did you just have to like, oh, I'm going to start somewhere. Uh, you know, like, tell me about that journey. Yeah, pretty much. Like even with the blog, I wanted to go with the quality over quantity approach. And I did. I published about one blog post a month when I was starting. But I mean, I wasn't good enough for it to be really quality, no matter how much effort I put into it. So, so you probably like you probably weren't getting much readers at all. Like you didn't have a built-in audience. You, no, no, I had no audience when I started. So, oh my god, how do you keep going? Well, luckily, I think when you focus on quality, even if your your bar is a lot lower than uh, it will be later on, like it's just retrospect. I bet when you started your first podcast and you did the first episode, you're probably like. That wasn't so bad. It's only now that you listen <laughs> yes. back and you're like, oh my God, please delete that from the internet. That's embarrassing. Abs- absolutely. So at the time, you don't even realize how bad your stuff is. But at the very least, you're doing your best as opposed to trying to have some publishing schedule where you're publishing once a week just for the sake of doing it. And even then, when you're first starting, you're like, I don't even, you know, you're thinking, I just got to get it out. And there's something to just publishing, but at the same time, I was able to build an audience somewhat quickly, even with this limited publishing schedule, because everything I put out was my absolute best. And if I didn't publish one month and it took me another month to work on something, I would do that. Kind of like the wait but why approach to building a blog. Mm-hmm. So you're writing about SEO and but you know, as you had alluded to a little bit earlier, like you started out, uh, you know, you didn't know anything about it. I mean, we all start somewhere. Um how did you go about learning all of this stuff and become the, I would say, all-knowing expert that you are today? I'm not going to argue with that description. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it was I learned from doing, honestly. Uh, way before I started Backlinko, my first site that I started from reading the 4-Hour Workweek was in the health space. And I was like, I need to optimize this thing. And then after that, I started my first blog, which is also in the nutrition space. And that was like a blog, obviously, SEO is really important. I, the blogs didn't, the, that site didn't do well. The blog didn't do well. You know, it took me a, a long time, took me years to really start to have success with uh, SEO and, and online business in general. But over those mistakes, I was able to figure out kind of what didn't work and eventually figure out what did work. And what is the value of SEO search engine optimization for businesses? Well, it's targeted traffic. You know, someone's searching for literally what you do or what you sell, and you can get in front of them basically for free. Is there, do you have like a good case study of something? 
maybe in your world or or a business you know a business that has done this well has ranked for x word and gotten x amount of sales i mean if you if you don't have the numbers that's okay. yeah i mean the best like example that i always use is sort of a gold standard on using seo to grow a business is nerdwallet.com um, they also started just like three guys wanted to make a website about personal finance focused on seo and the company is worth like tens of millions they've had vc wow. funding um, they're huge and it's all SEO. In my case, it's the same reason. Like the only reason that you know about me is probably, like you said, a YouTube video, which was SEO or Google, which is SEO. And there's been studies that people have done on where traffic comes from. And it's like, I think it's 70% of all traffic comes from Google or starts with a Google search. So that's where the traffic is. Like Facebook's nice. Twitter's nice. Those platforms have their place. But at the end of the day, the best traffic and the most amount of traffic is usually from Google search. So how do you rank number one on ask.com? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't believe ask.com just came to my mind. I'm like thinking about the logo and the color scheme right now. Weird. Do they even exist anymore? I don't know. But yeah, they probably do. But uh, if you want to rank number one for iPod podcast, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> like, like, can can I, Brian, rank number one for podcast? Domain Authority twenty nine. Can can I do this? I don't know. No, no. I'll That's be realistic with you. <laughs> but and it's not that I don't think you're like you're capable or anything. No, it's it's just that first of all, that's not even a good keyword to target because who is searching for that? You know, there are keywords that just like, uh, you know, that person no doesn't value. even, yeah, they don't even know what a podcast is. That's why they're searching for it. Do you really want that person? You have to get it like, okay, why is this person searching this term? Yeah. Is that my customer? Is that my audience? You know what I mean? It's like the who behind the search. And that, that one, first of all, has a lot of different people. Cause some people are doing it for like a term paper. Some people are writing an article about podcasts. Some people want to go on podcasts. Some people aren't even sure exactly what it is, how to download one. They're all over the place. So not only is the keyword competitive, if you were able to rank number one, it's not as great as you probably think. It's not like you can sit back and say, I made it. It would be like, I'm getting tons of traffic, but it's all garbage. So that's why keyword research is like the step number zero in this whole thing. Because once you find that, everything else makes a lot more sense. and You can get a lot better yeah. results. Key keyword research. I'm going to take a stab and say, like, I think podcast course because i have a course on podcasting it's my lead magnet jordanparis.com slash course i think that would be like a really good thing to rank for oh that's perfect yeah i mean exactly it, you don't have it, it, there's a whole like there's courses on keyword research and i have a video on one of my youtube channel there's more to it than that but at the end of the day you're basically choosing a keyword that's like a good fit for your business that someone would search for when they want to buy what you sell, or they're the same person that would buy what you sell, even though they're mm. not searching for at that exact moment. So in your case, you know, for a podcast course, obviously people that search for podcast course are people that are the best because they're ready to buy a podcast course, or at least really close to getting one. But at the same time, that audience might be like best podcast microphones. They're not really there yet. But you can still get in front of them, get them on your email list, True. and then sell them your course down the road. That's actually where the real money in SEO is, or all those non, those kind of like sideways keywords. They're not directly related. Mm, adjacent. But that's where all the action is because that's where most of the search volume is. 
Yeah, I'm thinking of now. This one's more direct. It's not exactly the example that you've just given, but I'm thinking of my uncle right now. His he's a chiropractor, and his business is called Pain Arthritis Relief Center. I feel like, and his his domain authority is forty, and I feel that I'm realizing this now. In his name, Pain Arthritis Relief, that is the keyword. The keyword is like baked into. His and I think he intended it that way because he has he does a lot of work with SEO too, so I think that's a really great example. You think so? Yeah, I mean it's the having the keyword in your domain name is one of those things that used to help a lot more. It probably doesn't help as much mm. now, but it's good for your branding because then people know when they see the site they're like, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I have arthritis. I'm looking for pain relief. This is like a match for me. So it's good to have that niche, and it actually can help your click through rate in Google because say you Google like arthritis relief and you're scrolling through the results you see his your uncle's domain oh that's perfect you know what i mean that's exactly what i'm looking for they're more likely to click on it now i I have a really selfish question like i have this problem brian just just a a tragedy of of sorts going on for years you look up jordan paris and yes i am first my website comes up but you know what's right above that the google shopping thing they're jordan you know the shoes Jordan has a shoe with the with the word Paris in it, and it's from like Nike.com. And right above JordanParis.com, the first thing, even though on the search, first search result they have the shopping tabs right there with like hundred, two hundred dollars shoes, and I'm just like, oh my god! I guess there's no ever getting re- like <laughs> no well, fix you can in hope that. They stop. It's a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. there's a whole other side of, I mean, not to say this has happened to you, but like I have some people reach out to me like, my name's, you know, whatever. And I just got arrested for doing this horrible thing. And now I'm all over the search results. How do I get rid of it? Like they don't want to be even on They want the shoes mm-hmm. on top of them. So it's just the luck of the draw what your name is. Like if your name's Michael Jordan, it doesn't matter what you do in life, you're never going to rank in the no. top 10 for Michael Jordan. So in your case, I think you have a chance because, you know, unless the shoes become like, Air Force Ones or something that are always around, it'll kind of fade. And as your popularity rises, you can you can knock them out eventually. And just the bigger your brand is, the more people search for you, that's the only real shortcut to kind of getting those. The more platforms you're on, like if a YouTube channel, a podcast, a Twitter, or LinkedIn, those can kind of crowd out the results and just you can dominate for all of them. You give me so much hope, man. Now I've I I, I found you mentioned like negative search results, you know, something that people would want to hide, maybe even, you know, more common in our space, a hit piece that you would want to hide. Now, is there like, is there getting rid of that? I think is the method just, you know, being competitive with like that search term and trying to outrank it or what is it? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole field called online reputation management, which is exactly this. And the, like, if I had to just sum up the whole field in a sentence, it's that old expression, an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. Like if you have the search results on lock, like it's your website, then your Twitter, then your LinkedIn, then your YouTube, then an interview with you, and then another interview with you, and then a press release you put out. Unless you did something horrible, it's gonna be tough for that thing, whatever it is, the hit piece to rank and especially stick. 
it may rank for a while because it gets sort of a freshness boost. If it's on BuzzFeed or something, it might stick around for a while. BuzzFeed but, is just infamous for these. Well, that's what I'm thinking of. That was the first <laughs> came to mind, because obviously, because that's all they do that's in the- Vox or something. So if these, you know, they put this out and it'll rank for a couple of days, you just kind of kind of deal with it. But the more real estate you control and own, the better off you're going to be. You can kind of build a wall to prevent that and at least squish it down. And then you can always publish stuff about yourself, a press release, do an interview, and then get that stuff on the second page where it might as well not exist. Sure. Now, what are this is the this is going to be the most cliche question of the entire podcast, the one that you get all the time. I have no doubt, but I'm going to ask it. What are the top, you know, two or three things that everyone needs to know about SEO? Yeah, I do get that one a lot. <laughs> it's not actually not that hard to to distill it. I mean, Google has 200 ranking factors that they use in the algorithm. And at first it's like, oh my God, that's so many. Like, how could I ever optimize for 200 things? But if you look at them, they're mostly in, in kind of categories. So for example, you know, people linking to your site, the more sites that link to you, authority sites and legitimate sites that link to you, the better. So I would say like about half of those ranking factors all fall under the nuances of that, like where they link to you, how they link to you, how many sites, what the site's domain authority is, what the site's page authority is. So in terms of taking action, you don't need to worry about all 200. So I'd say it comes down to three things. The first is the page that you want to rank for needs to be optimized around that keyword. Pretty straightforward, you know, use it in your title tag, use the keyword in your URL, use it on the page. Like this stuff's kind of old school, but it actually still makes a difference. Uh, The next thing would be you need to get people to link to your site as a whole and ideally that individual page. That's a whole nother ball ball of wax how you do it. But in terms of like a thing you need to do, it's super important. For sure. Um, That's why you're talking about domain authority before because it's like kind of, if you know that number and it's high, you can get away with anything and rank. You can do make a ton of mistakes. But if you have a low domain authority, it's going to be hard to rank for anything. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is your page needs to satisfy search intent. It needs to be a good match for what that person's searching for. Google can measure that using a bunch of different metrics and downrank you if you don't. So for example, the course, podcast course, if you create a page, it's optimized around it, has all the links, but it's an article about how to choose a podcast course, not really what someone wants, right? They probably want a course on podcasting. So if you can satisfy the search intent, you're, you're going to rank higher. And if you don't, you're going to drop no matter how, you know what else you're doing. Yeah, because they're going to click on to it and then they're going to be like within five seconds, oh, this is not what I want. And then Google's going to see, oh, they were only on this page for five seconds after searching that. Oh, they really don't want this. Yeah, so satisfy the search intent. That's good. The first thing you said about the URL like uh, put the keyword in the URL. I feel that, so perhaps this is not a good thing. And I, I've, I've thought about this a lot, uh, but you know, for all my podcasts, it's jordanparis.com slash EP and then the episode number. I'm not doing myself any favors with no, that. No, but I don't think it's the end of the world either. I mean, on-page SEO is like, those are just a couple of things I just mentioned. There's all sorts of stuff. URL, I think, is a good one, and I would consider changing it. Not so much for the pure Google robot looking at the URL saying, okay, it has Brian Dean in the URL. This must be about Brian Dean, whatever. 
it's more about the click-through rate. So last year, uh, uh, earlier this year, actually, we analyzed millions of Google search results to figure out why people click on certain results. And one thing we found is that if there's a key, the keyword appears in the URL, people are significantly more likely to click on it. Because it's just a clue, like your uncle's website, that this is something that's a good fit. So it'll help with that, which also helps your search intent because people Google also looks at how many people click on a result and mm -hmm. in addition to how they interact with it, like you said. So if you have like the person's name or something compelling in the URL, people are going to say, oh, okay, this is really about it versus a number which doesn't have any context for someone that's searching for like interview with Tim Ferriss or something. And if they see the number versus interview with Tim Ferriss, these little things do make a difference in terms of how many people ultimately click on your result. Should I be concerned, Brian, about spam score and that percentage there? No, unless you're doing spam, no. I wouldn't worry about it. It's kind of less like a normal thing. Like the, actually, the more popular your site gets, you the get more, more of spam that links. Get. Yeah, you it's get more spam links. You get more and scrapers. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, can I get rid of this? Yeah, it's a little weird. But so I'll just ignore it. Google okay. has bit is can easily filter it out. You know, it's funny. I I always see like you know, even like Forbes has a high spam score. <laughs> like, I they're kind of they 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 become a, they've become a little bit. Yeah, they might deserve it actually. I, I <laughs> that's not think they have. that's kind of an example of like actually they suck. So I know <laughs> so many things that I would change about about Forbes. I'm grateful for the link Forbes. Don't take it away, but uh, hit me up got some consulting work that we need to do now brian one of my final questions is you know there's all these companies and i hear people paying for you know like a thousand dollars a month to some seo service and i don't and i'm like and i'm like god i don't i don't say anything bad but i'm like gosh i don't even know what they do because i know or at least the way i understand it is that seo is a long game and there aren't a ton of shortcuts that you can really take. I don't know what the benefit of paying a thousand dollars a month is. What are people paying for? Is it worth it? Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to say cause it's kind of like, should you hire a personal trainer? Mm. It totally depends on the personal trainer. Like some will just look at their phone while you're doing squats and some will be right behind you. All right, here we go. Let's <laughs> go. What more? So it's really hard to say for an SEO services, like a blanket yes or no answer. In my opinion, as someone that has worked with thousands of small business owners that have, you know, from my courses and stuff, I usually recommend not working with an SEO service provider if you can help it. And it's not so much that they're going to like, they don't know what they're doing. It's more, it's one of those good things that you really want to do in-house. It seems like this like separate technical thing. But as I hope you've seen, it's not really as technical as it's more about creating good stuff that your audience wants to see. Right. And you're in a better position to do that than a random person off of Upwork. So I think there are some quick wins that they may be able to do, like an optimization here. Maybe, you know, if you have some pages that are indexed, that aren't supposed to be indexed, you can delete them and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a long game. And I think usually the person in the business is the best in the best position to do SEO for the long term. And you create good stuff that your audience wants to see by, I mean, maybe one method is keyword research, right? Yeah, that's and that's what I usually go with because it's numbers. You don't have to guess. 
And you use without, I'm sure you go over this in depth in many other places, but the basics, like, like what, what are you using for that? So I Google use keyword two researcher, different tools. Is that what it is? No, I use uh, two different tools depending on kind of like what I'm doing. So for brainstorming, if I'm just like, I don't know what I want. I know I want to write about something, but I want to kind of just like get an idea. I use Exploding Topics, which is a, a tool, a free tool that I launched a couple months ago. And it's a, it's a free tool. Check it out if you want. It just yeah, tell, tells tell you. Us. Where is it? It's at explodingtopics.com. Okay, good. So yeah, it's just basically we scrape the web and find topics that are bl- blowing up. So they're not super competitive yet. So you can get in a little bit early uh, with all the topics. So if you're not sure what you want, it's a good place to start with brainstorming. It's not really the best if you're like, I have two keywords in mind. I'm not sure which one to pick. So for that, I recommend using something like Ahrefs or SEMrush or Moz Pro. You can put in a keyword and get like pff, more data than you'd ever want. Like how many people search for, how competitive it is, blah, blah, blah. And that can help you make a decision like, should I go with keyword A or keyword B? Mm-hmm. Brian, this has been a great crash course on SEO. Now, I understand that you have a course yourself with a pretty big waiting list. Where, what is that course called? Where is it? I know, I know it's somewhere on bank, backlinko.com, but help people out here. Yep. So our flagship course is called SEO That Works. And if you go to seothatworks.com, you can sign up for the waiting list and get a heads up next time we open up. Bam. Brian, I appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun. My final question is, if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Uh, It would probably be writing. Writing. Brian, you're the man. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Bam, we did it. All right. That was a lot of fun, Brian. Good. That wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. And there wasn't, the Olympics weren't going up. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode, and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.